Hello and welcome to Community Topics number 15. I am surrendered and and don't have much opinion anymore about the words that are coming out of my mouth, whether or not they're even my words, whether or not they mean anything to me or anyone else, because I don't know what's going to land, what's going to resonate, but I do know that. And so as long as I just keep saying shit and keep my mouth moving, probably going to resonate with someone and and I'm okay with that. And I am possibly just a fiction in your head. And I want to say that because it's entirely possible that there are certain insights and certain lessons that you are not prepared to accept that you already know. And as a result, you've created this figment with this voice and this body and this ridiculous look on his face to communicate these things to you in bite-sized chunks that you feel comfortable with. And that otherwise, that's all I am is a figment for you to facilitate your own understanding that you already know this. And that's an interesting question. Is anything real or is this all more in the nature of a dream? Are all of these people people or do they actually symbolize something deeper within your mind, within your awareness, within your consciousness? Because we say, oh, it's all in my brain. But technically, even your brain is in your mind. The experience of even having a brain, of looking inside someone's skull to a brain, that's all still through your awareness. It's all still conceivably part of the dream that you're just making up the brain as a way of getting out of the reality that your mind is everything. No, no, I'm in this little gray plushy thing. That's where I come from, right? But it's possibly just a cop-out. That all said, this is community topics number 15, and the subject today is entities encountered on psychedelic trips, which is why we just went through that merry little runaround, because that's what they are. We're just going to start there. We're not even going to entertain the idea that these are separate entities, because as much as they are, as much as I am, we're not, and neither am I. And it really just comes down to us being symbolism. For different parts of you, the incredibly vast whole of you. And you can imagine exactly how much symbolism there is there. So the first topic this week was entities encountered on psychedelic trips. The second topic that was voted on was capitalism and consumerism. If we have time, I'm sure we're going to establish a bridge between the two. But starting off, let's just talk about entities. And so, Andrew, I'm going to pass this over to you because I know we've talked about this previously in in season one, I believe. We talked about like the machine elves. We've talked about uh, people encountering angels and aliens and whatnot on psychedelic uh, trips and in psychedelic experiences. So I'm just curious as to how your perspective has evolved since season one, because it's been quite some time. Um, and of course, you've done more tripping yourself. So you've had an opportunity to encounter more of yourself. How you process that is a different story. So it's all yours, sir. Absolutely. It's funny because I had some some thoughts, some ideas, and I'll, I'll get to them. But you kind of just threw those right out the window with that intro, because now I'm like, entities encountered while tripping well there's this entity in the form of ray that i happen to start a podcast with and now i feel like i'm tripping my balls off man like well and i'm like shit or we gotta film a podcast episode but that's exactly where we're at and because the distinction becomes less and less relevant the less seriously you take yourself and this reality and the division that you perceive between yourself and it. And it's always been 
inside of your mind. Everything, be it while you're tripping, while you're dreaming, while you're living in quote unquote real life, it's all inside of your mind. And, and there's no certainty in that, but it's all there. Everything's as real as anything else or as, as unreal as everything else. And it comes down to how you perceive it. And, and the symbolism that comes with that is pretty incredible. And so I want to preface this conversation before we get into, you know, specific experiences while we've been tripping and everything that all of the things that we're going to talk about, whether, you know, entities we see or whatever comes down to our perception and how we perceive them based on how we perceive everything else. And so it's interesting with, with trips and whatnot, people will get to a place or see a place. And, you know, if they have a religious background, you're going to be like, oh, I saw God and, and Jesus. And the reality is that that's just your mind showing you something that it understands, or it's the way for your mind to try to interpret your mind. And it's like trying to interpret itself and everything. So there is no objectivity in the things that you see or experience. It's all subjective, but then because it's the only experience you know, it's sort of objective in a way to you, but it's important to recognize that it's not objective, objective. <laughs> it's just subjective. And so you take everything with a grain of salt, you know, hold it with open hands in that sense, not latch onto it and, and try and figure out what it means about you, but recognize that maybe it's just the way that your mind is deriving meaning and processing things as you go. Like you're observing the processing happening as you're going through be it reality or a tripping experience. And, and who's to say that everything you come and come across and this got me thinking with Ray's intro there, that's got me like all up in a loop. I don't know what to call it, but it makes me wonder if everything we encounter in our life is, I don't want to, it's not perfectly placed by any means as if there's this grand plan, but it's always perfectly appropriate to where we're at but not the idea of where we think we should be. And I think that's a distinction as well. And so I'm like going all over the place, trying to try to get these thoughts out that just started hitting me like crazy uh, as Ray was going through it. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into some of my stories in a sec, but I'll just pass it over to Ray for any other, any other thoughts about any of that stuff. Oh, for sure. Let's go a little deeper, shall we? So when we talk about these entities that we encounter on psychedelic trips, it's not just psychedelic trips, because if you think about it, people who are suffering through schizophrenia are encountering entities as well that are telling them various different things. I knew somebody with schizophrenia once upon a time who kept hearing the voice over and over and over again to, to cut off his own testicles. And it was overwhelming to the point where sadly he did. So this is the danger of not questioning these so-called entities when we come across them. This is the danger of not questioning the product of our mind. And it's so important to do so because as the basis of your reality, it is reality to you. And so if you don't question it, you will get pulled into it. And so when we're talking about these quote unquote entities, there's a twofold conversation to have. The first is you're everything. 
So they're always you, which means that you are not under their power. And that is very important. If you have a limited self view, if you're afraid, if you feel disempowered and you run across one of these entities and you're not willing to take responsibility for being where it comes from, that quote unquote entity is gonna play merry hell with your life. And this is why you have stories of possession. This is why you have stories of people feeling uh, being embodied by other spirits, things like that. It's because they just don't take responsibility for it. They actually let the narrative have so much power that it influences them. Which begs the question, if that's in their consciousness and their consciousness is everything, then do these entities actually exist in a non-physical form? Is there, a, like, is there something that we're seeing the symbolism for that is just an undercurrent within our, within our awareness, right? Like when we see the figure of Satan or the devil or, or any of these fearful imagery, are we not seeing a, symbol, a symbolic image for the hatred and fear within ourselves, right? And does that hatred and fear have its own intelligence? Because it certainly feels like that when we are in its, when we're in the throes of hatred and fear, it feels like that all we can do is act through that. And so I think at some point through various states of consciousness, people looked at those things and went, oh, they're actually their own entity that, you know, the angel of fear is working against the angel of courage. And we gave them names and we did all that. And it's become overly, overly simplified over time. Like if you look at the Bible, for example, the angels get really human-like. They really are like, you know, angels are just like us, but they have wings and so on and so forth. But if you look back at like Ezekiel, where he's talking about uh, the Ophanim, which is one of the higher choirs of angels, he describes them as a wheel spinning within a wheel, holding up God's throne. So it's not even human-like. You're looking at almost like a fractal. You're looking at almost something that you would see in a psychedelic trip, right? Because it's symbolic, wheels spinning within wheels, as if that doesn't sound like cycles within cycles symbolically, as if that doesn't sound like the symbolic rotation of everything going around the core of being, right? God's throne, the thing that can never move, can never, can never be influenced, right? The thing that all other cycles and wheels come from. So that's all it was ever meant to be. But then we take it as like, oh, angels, right? And, and again, we're not saying that there's no possibility that these things have their own, not sentience, because everything is sentience. Everything is awareness. It's all your awareness, but it has its own role to play. It has its own part to play. Very much like this figure that you call Ray, very much like this voice that you call Ray, right? I have my own part to play. Does that make me separate from you? No, absolutely not. But the experience of me being separate is possibly what you need to facilitate the lesson that I embody. Yeah. And it, it, with the symbolism and that being where it started, a lot of these ideas were merely symbolic. And now we've gotten to a point where they're less symbolic and they've become more literal. And, and we believe those ideas are, are true. And this, this heaven and hell are literal places that you go and you hang out in the clouds or in the depths of the earth where it's really hot. And that, process and that progression i think is very symbolic for just our egotistical mentality and we've gotten more and more lost in ideas and in concepts taken as truth and as we do it gets more and more difficult to not take the ideas and concepts that we see as entities be it things that can send people in a state of psychosis to be the truth like they reinforce each other 
as we take the idea of ourselves to be the truth, we'll take all these other things to be the truth. As we take all these other concepts, ideas, symbolism to be the truth, we'll take the idea of ourselves to be the truth more seriously and the potential impacts that it has because we see everything as closer to literal than symbolic. And so therefore, this idea of ourself is taken to be more literal or, or more solid than than malleable and, and uh, able to change and be interpreted in different ways and perceived in different ways. And so unless, Ray, you have anything to add before I go into one of my Actually, it's really interesting what you were saying there is that they are as solid and as individual as we perceive ourselves to be. So our relationship with those entities is very much based on our own willingness to accept that we are the all of everything. Yeah, that is a great point. Damn, it's all like it always comes back to the perception of ourself. Always, every time. And so I guess that's that's probably why going into you know, a psychedelic experience has gotten easier for me. Like I really, someone shows up and they're like, I have six grams of mushrooms. You won't take them right now. Like, I bet you won't. And it's like, well, I, I will. Cause there's not really, it's not that, you know, I have to, but I'm just saying like, if someone were to come to me, there's no fear in that. It's not like, Whoa, that's a lot. I don't know if I can handle that. It's like, yeah, I'll be fine. Whereas a couple of years ago, someone shows up with that. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, sir. No way, Jose. And so I think that is relative to how I perceive myself and, and the willingness to let go of holding on to it so tightly. And so getting into what I think people wanted us to talk about on Discord who voted on this topic being entities that we've seen while tripping, I think this experience that I wanted to bring up ties into this conversation really well because so going back this was while I was on I think it was like three or three and a half grams of mushrooms I was in New York in my apartment lying on my bed had my eyes closed and I started to see these entities and it was kind of like triangular cartoons uh, with like little eyes on them. It's interesting because the first time I told this story on a podcast, it was an in-person podcast and all the walls looked exactly like these entities. And it was trippy as shit. Cause as I started to explain it, I was like, holy, they looked exactly like the wall. Like, and which made me immediately as I'm on this podcast, like time that's did, did this, did these walls inform that trip or did the trip inform these walls be in the way that they are? Like, who's to say, but that's, that's all that that's not where I meant to take this story. Um, but so I went into it and it was, I think if I had not experienced as many trips or, or seeing different things or had taken that symbolism to be more literal, I would have freaked out and I would have resisted it and been like, Ooh, I don't, I don't like this at all. Cause it was very much a hellscape. It was like a scene out of the depths of hell, these spiky triangular figurines surrounded by flames. And it was pretty scary. I was like, oh boy, buckle up. That was that was my thought process. It wasn't like, holy shit, this is scary. It's like, all right, we're going into something. And basically took me back to seventh grade. And I find it very interesting that it goes back to this experience that I experienced and the the symbolism of being, you know, in hell with the devil. An egotistical sort of 
symbolism there, the devil being the perception of division or, or the ego in a sense. There's a lot of symbolism with that. And so looking at it now and seeing that with this experience in seventh grade, it was it was more or less one of the roots that I saw, or this is how I perceived it, one of the roots of my fear and and unworthy feelings that I felt throughout the rest of middle school, through high school. And I saw it as the root of a lot of the experiences and traumatic experiences that I experienced further on in my life. And the experience was I was in, I believe it was a Latin class. This was at my Catholic middle school. We took Latin and the teacher was a shorter dude, like relatively, he was around five, two. Um, and he was clearly a pretty insecure guy. Obviously I'm a 12 year old, so I don't, you know, recognize that as clearly, but looking back, super insecure dude. And so for whatever reason, this class is like probably 20 kids or so. And I think I got like a C or a D on a test. And I was, I was a very good student growing up. Like I didn't get many C's or D's on anything. And for whatever reason, he like made fun of me for it. It was fast. It's fascinating looking back at it now that this, you know, 50, 60 some odd year old dude made fun of a 12 year old for getting a C in the class that he's teaching. So really, it's kind of a reflection on him, which is hilarious. And I just sort of realized that how funny that is. But anyway, um, so in this, this is me re-experiencing this experience while I'm tripping. And what's very interesting is I could never remember seventh grade. I could remember sixth grade. I could remember eighth grade, could never remember seventh grade. I never knew why. And I think this is probably why it's like a part of my childhood that I just boxed up, put to the side and was like, let's just not explore that, even though it was the root of a lot of the experiences I had uh, moving on in my life. Like I could more clearly see that then. Um, but while I'm on this trip, I go beyond that experience and I go back into this teacher's life and childhood. And growing up, he ended up not being a very tall adult. So he was a pretty small child, which makes sense. And there was a kid who made fun of him when he was younger. And in my trip, I saw that this kid looked exactly like me. Whether that was my mind figuring out what it was, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's kind of irrelevant. It's the way that I understood the situation. And through that, I was able to recognize it showed me that it had nothing to do with me. Like this experience of, you know, the first time I felt like I wasn't enough, I was unworthy, I perceived a lot of lack in myself that, you know, moved on throughout my life and, and my fear of anything that that came up beyond that. My my worry about what people thought of me, my my fear of judgment, my nerves that I constantly felt through high school. It was more or less rooted in this first time when I was 12 years old and I felt an, an immense feeling of lack and unworthiness. And so the symbolism that I saw that I was uh, that I referenced before was going into the experience with the fiery hellscape was like I almost see it now as a birthing of my perception of myself and going through hell or into hell recognizing that, you know, maybe I'm separate from this reality. Maybe there is an idea of me that exists as something separate. And I see that more or less as the root and that as the symbolism. And through that experience, you know, to, to close this off, I was able to see that because it had nothing to do with me, all of those things that came after that were 
more or less rooted in that, but it never had anything to do with me. And now more clearly, I've seen that, you know, the idea of myself doesn't exist in the way that I thought it did, or it's not the truth of what I am, obviously. And so I've been able to let that go. And and by the end of the trip, it was like, everything went white. And it was like, symbolic of, you know, clean slate, no, no ideas that I needed to hold on to about myself, start new, born again, et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's exactly the point of going through those lessons. And whatever the mind creates is what the mind is helping you process or facilitate, but it does come down to that state of responsibility and that ability to relax through it and, and to be patient about what it is you're going through, about what it is that you're seeing, because usually it's the resistance that causes the difficulty that causes the consequence. I don't like that. And I don't want to see that. And it's like, okay, well, you just went hard in the other direction. Here comes the consequence. And it's because you're trying to facilitate a lesson that's going to decrease the conflict in your life. And by running from it, you're doubling down on that conflict and actually avoiding the lesson that you were already processing. So it's causing even more of a bottleneck within you, which never helps. To address the question quickly um, about the entities that I've run across in my psychedelic experiences, I'm going to say lots. And I'm going to say lots because that's the easiest way for me to do it. If you would like for me to talk to you about some of these experiences and, and some of the, the depth of it, come to a retreat, find a way to meet me in person because it's a long conversation. And frankly, I would want to see where you're at before we go too deep into that conversation. Because there's some experiences that can sound quite terrifying if you're not grounded. And there's some experiences that you might want to glom onto and believe in if you're not quite grounded. And so, as we said in the last community topics about metaphysics, this is one of those things that I would prefer to talk to you in person, face to face, so we can really get into this. But to summarize, I have talked to everything from bottle caps to the ophanim that I was referring to earlier. There has been so much. I have had entities follow me for what seemed like months. I have gone to places that I didn't even think existed in my imagination. I have processed things that left me in the fetal position just trying to process what the hell was happening. And that's why I caution you, the listener, about taking anything that your mind creates at face value. There's always more to it. There's always more depth. And you have to understand that whatever it is you're seeing is somehow tied to how you see yourself. So if you're looking at angels, you're going to see that in a certain way. That's very much tied to how you need to see that as well as how you need to see yourself. To me, angels don't have wings. That stopped being the case 10 years or more ago with psychedelic experiences because my mind doesn't, tra doesn't translate them that way anymore. So it's something to keep in mind. Now, to segue for a brief moment into capitalism and consumerism, we're not going to talk about capitalism and consumerism in the typical way that I think we would. And specifically, I mean, because it's a pretty common gripe on our podcast, we talk about capitalism and, and the consequence of the ego-based mentality pretty much all the time. We dip in and out of it. And so there's not too much to cover there. But in relation to the first topic about entities, I'd like to go back to this idea that when we're seeing entities, what we're really seeing is the, sim the symbolism for mentalities. And so I would say that not money but the mentality of accumulation, the mentality of ego has its own symbolism. And at the moment, 
that symbolism is very much money. Money is our symbolism for control to a very large degree. And the illusion of security, the illusion of value, the, the illusion of status, there's so much that goes into money that that dollar bill in itself is fairly symbolic of a mentality. And it's so interesting that the all-seeing eye is on there and so many other things, as well as the fact that money itself is a contract. It's a bill of exchange. It's actually committing you to a certain system that that money runs. And so there's so much in the same way as every other entity. As soon as you take it at face value, it destroys your life. As soon as you take it at face value and you start thinking it's real, it has influence over you. But once you recognize that money is just a counting system that we all take very seriously and agree has value, then all of a sudden you start looking at the fact that the only real value has and ever will be you. You're the only thing that creates value on this planet. Food has value because you eat it, right? Houses have value because you live in them. Your work has value because you're doing it. You're the value. But as with all other entities, we tend to look at it and go, no, the value, oh, look, it's an entity separate from me, but it's just symbolic of something within yourself. And so that all said, I think is really interesting that in the Bible, it's like, you know, it, it's not money that's the root of all evil, but the love of money that's the root of all evil or the worship of the entity of money that is the root of all evil. It's fascinating how it's basically completely flipped, like the reality versus how we perceive ourself and value. And so we'll see something as a car or a house or an amount of money that adds value to us, as opposed to us being the thing that creates the value inherent in the thing because it's something that we utilize. But we've gotten so flip-turned, half-assed backwards that we actually think that those things create us. That's crazy. Holy shit. And that's what capitalism and consumerism come down to. It's a constant need to build the idea of ourselves, Always, nonstop. And if it's not as big as someone else's, you perceive lack because we're always in comparison. We live in a value by comparison using these things that are, you know, a necessity to a degree in our lives, shelter, food, transportation, however we may want to want to see that. And, but we think that that creates the value for us. And that basically has created this capitalistic system is thinking that those create us as opposed to us creating them huh yeah and That's it's interesting not really that different than us praying to angels for god to come down and help us we're praying to money for value in our life but we're the value so we're actually missing the opportunity to build the mentality that would yield more money and i want to say quickly money isn't the only thing that you can yield like it's actually one of the most superficial things that you can yield. I mean, if we were to base our decision to quit our job on how much money we're making right now, we wouldn't have quit our job. We quit our job based on the size of our community, the level of engagement, how much we love this and the ripples that we can see happening. Those are all resources. Those are all signs of abundance. But we focus on the money. How many dollar bills do I have? Like that's what's going to open the gateway to freedom in the same way that people 
pray to archangels. People pray to their idea of God looking for heaven when it could be right here if they were just responsible enough to take ownership of being heaven. In the same way, we can take ownership of being the value. It's all symbolic and it all comes back down to not being willing to be responsible for how vast and full of potential you really are. Yeah, it's, oh man, it's crazy how much it limits us, like all of these ideas and concepts and ways and things we look to, to create the value for ourselves or, or of ourselves or about ourselves are all inherently so incredibly limiting. And to think that we've settled on that as being the root of it, like we really have as a society said, like, look at my bank account. It's not even, it's like Alan Watts's whole thing talking about money versus wealth. It's like people would rather have a bunch of money, a bunch of pieces of paper than actual wealth. And it's recognizing that the wealth has nothing to do with the money. It does to like a, a small, very, very small degree to the ability like need to get those actual needs, you know, like food and shelter and whatnot. Like it's a means to getting those, but then we go so far beyond it. And it's, it goes to show in the studies of happiness, you know, that beyond making, what is it like $50,000 a year, you don't actually gain any more happiness or, you know, whatever words you want to use, peace, joy, enthusiasm, anything from beyond that. And yet we keep going beyond that because that's how we build the idea of ourselves. But that is endless. And it's always in flux. It's not like you get to making 100,000 or 200,000 or you get a million dollars in the bank account and that's it. Because also talking about inflation, like we have these ideas of what, you know, a million dollars, I'm a millionaire or I'm a billionaire. It's like, what if the money's being devalued? Like I could be in a third world country, a billionaire, and it's like equivalent to a hundred bucks in US dollars. And so they're all concepts. And they're all ideas, and we're not willing to let go of that attachment. Like, oh, my goal is to make, you know, $500,000 a month. And it's like, what does that even mean? Like, what, what does that even mean? It's, it's so arbitrary. And yet we attach to them and think that, you know, we're not whole until we get there. And that keeps us striving. That keeps us longing for that thing and looking up to those people who have lots of, you know, commas in their bank account. And it's fascinating how distorted we've gotten, settling on arbitrary things, thinking that that's what gives us value, not recognizing that we've been it the whole time. And that's the root of all of our confusion, is thinking that anything could impact that value, especially in our society, money. Yeah. And it's the same old trap looking outside yourself. It starts and ends with you. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You are the here and now and always will be. There is nothing outside yourself that has value except through you. You are what gives it value. That's the whole point, right? And the same is true for these entities that you might encounter in psychedelic states or in meditation or in states of extreme stress. It happens more often than you might think, regardless of how uh, it comes across. You might just hear it as kind of like a... Uh, 
a nagging feeling. You might hear it as a subtle whisper. You might actually see it manifest as something symbolic. All of these things are you. As soon as you disempower yourself, as soon as you start fearing them, as soon as you start praying to them, as soon as you start looking at them as something separate, that's where the consequence ensues. And that's unfortunately what our economy is based on, is that idea that the value is somehow outside of us. And the more of that outside thing I accumulate, the more value I have, which we know is absolutely false. And so that actually kind of goes back to a conversation that we were having yesterday on Patreon, because Andrew and I have said straight up, we don't want to personally be incredibly rich. We would like to cap our income at a certain point that's reasonable and then put everything that we can in dualistic unity into the purpose of dualistic unity, which is to continue to help people be free because what good is it to have a billion dollars going into old age you've got the idea oh yeah okay i've got some security and i've got some certainty i'm definitely going to get what i want while i'm surrounded by people who are miserable that's a very limited view where if you took that billion dollars and made everybody's life a little bit better then maybe you wouldn't feel the need to feel so secure you wouldn't feel the need to feel so certain you wouldn't be so afraid because you're actually doing something to change the hellscape that has accumulated through us not doing something about it. So it really just comes down to priority. That's what it is. The value is us. The value is you. So I'm not going to worry about accumulating money. I'm more worried about having you engage and hear with us because that is the best I can hope for. That's what's going to change things because more than anything else, you are my symbol for change. Amen. Fuck. That was, that was really well put. I've not thought about it in that way, honestly, that by us capping how much we make from all of this, it depends as we've talked about selfishness in the past and like the taking that back in the full circle type selfishness. And so us capping it and actually utilizing it to create a society that we enjoy existing within more is being super fucking selfish. Right. Like we're, we're able to invest it back to create a better society for me because I want to exist in a better society, but that doesn't happen through holding on to all of it. The society isn't able to be as at peace or as happy or, or enjoy the experience of reality that is all me. So I'm literally helping myself both in the egotistical sense of creating a better society for myself and in the reality sense of being everything, helping you is helping me literally and figuratively because it's all me and it's all helping me through helping you, but also through helping you is helping me as Andrew. And it's, oh, wow, that's interesting. Damn. That's, because that's... as we said at the beginning of this episode, all of this is just symbolic to facilitate your understanding that you are everything. And that's it. And on that note, we are going to end community topics number 15. This has been a blast. Season four has been incredible so far. We're only in the first week. I do encourage you to check out dualisticunity.com. You will see the new schedule for our group and live shows do join us. The next one, I believe, is on Sunday at noon Eastern time. You can find all the details on our website. Again, do remember that the retreat is coming up on April 1st. If you would like early access to the tickets, that is also on Patreon, patreon.com slash dualistic unity. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to next week's topic.
Bye, everyone.